I want you to take your Bibles and look at that passage in Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to take the time to tell the story. We have seen this story just portrayed for us so well. And if I had a title for the sermon this morning, it would be just as I am. It is easy for us as we look at that to quickly identify the younger brother. It is easy for us to quickly identify the person who is away from God. It is easy for us to identify the person who we are praying for and hoping will return to a place of fellowship with God. And it is easy to miss the deeper point of Jesus' story. This is a story not in the sense of some made-up story, but it is an account of a father with two sons. As we think about this, you know it, you've just seen it, we've heard it many times. A man has two sons. One son comes to the father, the younger comes to the father and says, Father, I want my inheritance. You're not dying fast enough for me and I want what's coming to me. And so he gives him his portion. He goes into a far country and wastes his substance on riotous living, the Bible says. When all his funds are gone, all his friends are gone, and all the fun is gone, and he's in the hog pen feeding swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the hogs did eat. And when he is at the lowest point, he comes to his senses and he says, the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I will arise and go to my father and I will say, Father, I will no longer be a son, I will be as a servant. Just let me serve, let me be a part of your household because I'm better off as as your servant. There's an interesting truth there that we want to come to God on our terms. And what we perceive as fairness is far less than grace. What we perceive as, well, this would make sense. God, I've hurt you. I've injured you. I'll come to you on my terms, and I will work for you. But the Father doesn't extend a work program. He extends grace. And that is what the Father does as the Son returns. The Bible says that he saw his Son afar off. If you see something afar off, or as we sometimes say in the South, a fur, piece, a fur off, you're looking for it. I don't know this to be the case, but I, I believe that that father perhaps walked out of that house every single day, and he perhaps walked down to the gate that went to the path, the road that led away from the farm, and he looked and he longed to see, is my son, is this the day that he'll return? What a heart of a loving father that looks at you and I when we have strayed away. And yes, there is justice and there is judgment, but there is the love of God that is looking to us and reaching out to us and drawing us. And that's the heart of the father. The father sees the son. He wraps his arms around him. He says, put on the purple robe and the ring and restore the signs of sonship. He won't listen to the son when he says, I'll work for you, I'll be a servant. He says, you're a son. And he says, kill the fatted calf. We're going to make merry tonight. I have to admit that that the song we just heard a little bit ago can't be too much of a Baptist song because it says there'll be dancing in the house tonight. (laughs) And we all know, as my grandmother used to like to say, that a 
dancing foot and a praying knee can't grow on the same leg. But I want you to think about this story just for a moment this morning with me. I want you to think about the children in this story. I want you to think about that son that goes away. The son who leaves his father's house. He, in this story, if you read the entire chapter, is the, is the sinner. You see, the, the Pharisees and the scribes stand back and they saw Jesus eating with the publicans and sinners and they said, this man eats with publicans and sinners and so Jesus begins to tell these parables and he tells the story of a lost sheep, one out of a hundred And he tells the story of ten coins and there's one out of ten that is lost and all the rejoicing that takes place as that is restored. And then he comes down to one out of two. Because you see, there's really two kinds of sinners in this world. There are the rebellious sinners. The Romans one kind of sinners. Romans chapter 1 speaks of those who have rebelled against God and they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to reprobate minds to do the things that are unseemly. And those are the easily identifiable sinners. And that is easy for us to recognize in our hearts that's where we are when we need restoration and we need repentance. No, we're not away from God and salvation. But even after we're saved, there are times in our lives when we will find ourselves in a place of sin where we need repentance. And that's where the younger son finds himself. We have clearly broken God's law. Many of us are aware of that. We know where we're wrong. We know what we're doing. We may try to cover it, or we may try to hide it, or we may try to justify it or rationalize it. We're like Achan, as we saw a couple weeks ago. Achan tries to hide his sin in his tent. The younger son just goes to the depths. There are those who are Romans 1 kind of sinners. There may be somebody here this morning, and your life has been one of breaking God's law. Let me say to you that you're not going to hell because you break God's law. You're going to hell because you are a sinner and you break God's law because you are a sinner. Every one of us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you look around and you see those around you and you think, well, I'm better than this person. This this young man had in his mind a hierarchy. He saw here's the sons and here's the servants because when he reaches the low point, he says, I I can't attain to being a son, but I'm still a servant. That's That's not the way God... God looked at the sinners. God looked at the publicans and the sinners and he said, they are ones that I love. And Jesus sat and ate with the publicans and sinners. And this morning, if you identify with those publicans and sinners, if you identify with the younger son, if you find yourself identifying with the Romans one kind of sinner that has broken God's law and you know that it's wrong, God in his grace and mercy still loves you. The children. But let's not miss the older son. Because it's easy for us to think that, hey, he stayed at home. He may have been physically close to the father, but his heart was as far away from the heart of the father as the younger son's. When he comes back, you know, and look at the end of the chapter, you see what he says. He's angry because he sees the celebration. He's so angry he won't even come in. He says, as soon as this your son was come, which has devoured thy living with harlots... You have killed for him this fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you're ever with me. You didn't leave me. You stayed here. All that I have is thine, but it was meet that we should be, make merry and be glad. 
For this your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. He may have stayed close to the Father. He may have followed all the rules, but he did not have the heart of the Father. And this is the person that Jesus is sharing this parable for. Because who is it that sparked this? Back in verse 2, the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What is Jesus saying to them? He's saying, you're the older brother. Just like the father received the lost son that came back, and he sat and he ate with him. I will sit and I will eat with sinners, and I will welcome them because they are my sons. And that's what God says to those who are what I'll call an older brother or a Romans 2 kind of sinner. Romans 1 says, here's all those that have broken the law. And then he gets to chapter 2 and he says, but what do you say, you that have the law? You have the word of God. You've had all the rules. You think you've done all the things that are right. You're just as wrong. You see, the children in this story, it's not just the youngest son, the oldest son. And God is saying, you Pharisees and you scribes, those of you who think you can please God by keeping all the rules, those of you who think you can find satisfaction in life, those of you who think God will welcome you because you've kept all the rules, you're just as wrong. And Paul goes on in Romans 3, Romans 1, here's the younger son, you've broken all the rules. Here's Romans 2, You're the older son and you've kept all the rules. Here's Romans 3. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All need grace. So this morning it doesn't matter whether you are in church and far from God or whether you are as far away from the church as can be and far from God. The Father is still loving, calling, reaching for you. What was it that drew the younger son back? It was the knowledge of the love of God. It wasn't the wealth that was there. He says, my father is good. He treats his servants well. That's the goodness and the grace. Romans tells us that it is the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. Let me tell you this morning, the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart of some sin, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you that you need to be saved, that is a clear work of the grace of God in your life. Be thankful for it. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit that reminds us and draws us, convicts us. Wait, this, this is not some wild, egregious sin. I'm not, I'm not in the hog pen. I'm not down there eating the slop that the pigs would eat. I'm up in the Father's house. I've always been with him. And yet our hearts can be as far away from God. Even after we're saved, if we're not careful, we can be like the older brother. We can begin to look at those around us and we can see wicked sins. Boy, it's not hard in our day and time, is it, to look at the world and see extreme deviancy, extreme sins. And we stand back in our self-righteousness and we say how horrible it is. This is why our country is going to pot. 
It's because of people like this. And we may even get on social media and share with all our other self-righteous friends and get a few amens out of them. Not that any of us would ever do anything like that. But some of those people out on, outside might do that. And we're just like the older brother. And heaven forbid that one of the younger brothers or sisters should humble themselves and, and come to God. Because we're just like verse 1 and verse 2. We stand back and we say, Jesus fellowships with publicans and sinners. I'm glad that he, that he fellowships with sinners because as they are, so am I. And as they are, so are you. God in his grace and mercy. That's the children in the story, but then, of course, there's the call of the story, and that is that the father doesn't, isn't calling, but there's something about the father that calls, the expression of love. Do you see who is the one conveying this message? There has never been a clearer expression of the love of God than the one who is speaking in this story about the love of God. It is Jesus that is saying this. It is Jesus that is sharing this account. It is Jesus who has divinely told this story and inspired this story. And it is Jesus that is saying, look, it is the love of the Father that is reaching to these publicans and sinners. It is God who is calling to you this morning. It is God that loves you enough to care about the unconfessed sin in your life. It is the love of God that cares enough to, to care about the self-righteousness in your life. It is the love of God that loves you enough that cares whether you are close to him or far away from him. Or maybe in his house and still far away. Do you know it's possible to, to be in the house of God frequently and regularly? and still be far away from God? I heard a quote recently, and I've, I've heard forms of it my whole life, but I'd never heard this one. Uh, an old Christian saw a, a, a pastor who was acting very unchristlike, and someone said, how can this man be a Christian and do that? And the old man said, the old, um, the old Christian said, um, a mouse may get in the cookie jar, but that doesn't make him a cookie. I love that. I've heard some similar ones, but being in the house of God, being in the Father's house, he says, you've always, I've always been with you, and the Father doesn't correct him. He says, you've always been here, never left, and yet needed to repent, needed to return to the Father. What a powerful word to us. Yes, I know this is a salvation passage. Jesus is speaking of being lost in sin. But I also know that in my Christian life, there are times where I'm closer to God than I have been at others. And I'm glad that my Heavenly Father is standing with open arms, calling, calling. And I have to be willing to humble myself. I have to be willing to say, I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I need to be. There are things in my life that need to change. If there are not, then I have reached the end of my sanctification and it's time for God to take me to heaven. But I assure you that I suspect even when God takes me to heaven, I'm not going to be fully finished on this earth. If it wasn't for his glorification that takes place when he takes me to heaven, I wouldn't be fit for heaven. 
but the call of the Father. Do you, do you hear that call in your heart this morning? Do you hear that call of the Holy Spirit that says, I'm calling you back to the place where you once were with me? Then we see the celebration in the story. Do you see that? I, I love, I love a celebration. I love to see joy. I love, I remember one time that just sort of shocked me. I joked earlier about dancing, but I remember watching an Easter program and as it was telling the story of Jesus and his disciples, um, one of them as they're sitting around the campfire and, and, and of course this is complete literary license, I understand, but they, one begins to play music and they all begin to get up and they do a, one of the traditional Jewish dances around the fire. And Jesus is dancing and it blew my mind to think that, you know, Jesus might actually have danced. I can't believe those words actually came out of my mouth, but why? Because there was joy and there's celebration. When the older son comes in from the field, there's a celebration going on. Why? Because God not only longs for his children to return, he not only calls for them and his love reaches to them in the person of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit draws us and convicts us. When we return, there is celebration in his heart. There is celebration in his house. There is rejoicing in the presence of the angels when one sinner returns. And it's not just the angels that are rejoicing. It is in the presence of the angels. Who are there? Some people say, well, it's other believers that get to hear and know that. But the Heavenly Father is in the presence of the angels, and He is rejoicing. He is the one that is celebrating. He is the one that says, kill the fatted calf. They're still my child. They're still the one that I love. And He rejoices when we return. What a blessed truth. What a powerful celebration that God is a God who gives and gives and He takes our rebellion and He takes our sin and he, he still loves us. God doesn't, God doesn't carry a grudge. There's a Heavenly Father that loves you this morning. And he is calling to you. He is calling to sinners who have never trusted Christ as their Savior. And he is saying, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, all you that thirst, and I will give you drink. Come, those that are hungry, and feast on the bread of life. Everything that you need to satisfy all the things of this world that you are looking for, and you are seeking after, and you are desiring after, that are not satisfying. All that you need is in me. And I am calling you to come home and even the joy and the celebration and the rejoicing that takes place. I'm calling you to come to me. And there is rejoicing. He's calling to those of us who are not as close to him as we should be. Those who are far away. Those who have drifted. Do you notice how quickly over time we can drift? We, we're walking with God and gradually the pull of this world just pulls us away. Let me tell you that the pull of this world is strong whether we are in the father's house as an older son or whether we are the younger son, the pull of this world is strong. The pull of sin is strong, but I'm glad that the grace of God is stronger still. Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. And when we return to the father, the father welcomes us with open arms and he rejoices and he celebrates. I don't know where you see yourself in this story this morning, but ultimately, I want to see myself 
and the one who is telling the story. I want to be the son as Jesus was who pleases the Father, who is close to the Father, and the one who expresses to others the love of the Father. Not just in his words. You see, this story is his words. This story, he communicates with words. God loves you. The Father loves you. The Father cares about you. But in his actions, when he sat down with sinners, he says, I'm doing this because this is what God would do. I don't know where your heart is this morning, but I don't believe that God would have brought all these things together for us if he didn't have something to say to us. So here's my question. What do you need to come home about? Come to the Father. Draw close to him. Students, some of you have been close to God and you've experienced the fires of revival and over time it has waxed and it's it's, it's waned and it's drifted, you've drifted away. Mom, Dad, over time, your walk with God, you've drifted from the Father's house. Or maybe you've been in the Father's house and your heart has grown cold. I don't know where you are today, but I want you to know, and if you can envision it in your mind, envision that Father standing with his arms wide open. The Bible says that he ran toward him and he grabbed him and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And he says, my son has come home. May there be great rejoicing in heaven today because we are obedient in coming home. There's an old invitational hymn we used to sing, come home, come home. Maybe that's what we need to do this morning. Will you bow with me for prayer? I'm not going to say a lot for this invitation. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart because I believe he is speaking this morning. I believe he is calling. I believe he is calling to those who do not know Jesus as their Savior. And I invite you to come. We'll take the word of God and show you how you can be welcomed into the Father's family and the Father's house. Or right where you are, you can say, God, I realize I'm a sinner. I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself but I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. I accept him as Lord and I'm following him. Maybe this morning there's something in your life. Maybe there's a little spot of mud in the old hog pen and you need to turn from it. Maybe you're deep down in the mud and you need to get up out of it and you need to come to the Father's house. You need to come back to the Father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am sorry restore me to where I was with you. Father, speak to us, we pray in this time of invitation.